Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Thanks for having me. Exciting to be here. So, yeah, you know, I've... My background, again, is in psychology. I took some kinesiology and anatomy classes because my, you know, my first master's degree was in exercise science. I was, I was always better more on the mental side of things as opposed to the physical side. So, so um, Dr. Rosen and I, we kind of had that one-two punch, that, that mind and body um, approach. We were teammates together back in college, best friends since we were like two years old. Like we literally played in the sandbox together. We were Ghostbusters. We were Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's no joke. We go back a long, long way. So, yeah, right now, working with teams and athletes all across the country, literally from elementary school, middle school, high school, college, to the Olympic team, and we work with some UFC fighters. So basically, we take some of the toughest people in the world, and we make them even tougher. But tonight, we're talking about how we approach injury recovery, especially how that relates to you with athletic training. How do we approach um, injury recovery, bouncing back from injuries from... A mental perspective, right? What are we telling ourselves? So we've created, we broke down our entire mindset program down um, into different mental muscles because we need to we need to be able to conceptualize things when it comes to our mindset, right? The body, we know our legs, our arms, our neck, our back. We could break it down pretty easily, but then when it comes to our mindset, it's a little bit difficult, right? It's like we either have it or we don't. That's not true. There's different mental muscles. So we break it down. It is a little bit subjective, a little bit arbitrary, but we do break it down into different mental muscles that tend to cluster together. So we have a full series on confidence, mental toughness, relaxing under pressure, um, sleep the night before competition. A lot of athletes have a hard time sleeping. That's going to hurt you recovering mentally and physically, obviously and also bouncing back from injuries. So our injury recovery series, that's what I wanted to take you through tonight. And in fact, some of our best examples, our best success stories have been athletes who've joined our mindset program while they were hurt, right? In fact, I've heard from a lot of parents or a lot of coaches around the country, well, we'll start your mindset program after they come back from their injury. And I said, oh no, now's even more of a reason why they need to work on their mindset because while they're out of practice, They need to make sure they're working on their mind. So some of our best success stories come when athletes are injured. So that might be an important time that not while you're working with them to make your life a lot easier, have them working with a mindset coach, right? With us, again, going to school for sports psychology, that's exactly what we do. So there's no reason you want them to make sure they're getting extra work in, right? So they're working with you for recovery, working with a mindset coach sports psychologist, whoever, for their mindset to make sure they're improving. Make sense? Do we have the worksheets in front of us? I did post them online, so you should be able to find the worksheets on injury um, recovery in campus. Okay, very good. So again, this is, this is very important, and this goes for whatever career we're in, whether it's mindset, whether it's athletic training, whether it's a teacher, you know, as a professor, Um, a parent, it doesn't matter what you're doing, 
you have to you have to be good at selling the athlete. You have to be good at selling your student or your child. So it's it's important to get good at making a good sales pitch for yourself. Sales a lot of people look at sales as kind of like a dirty word, like, oh, we don't want to be a salesperson. We're all salespeople. We're, I'm selling you right now on the importance of mindset. Your professors are gonna are selling you on the port the importance of how to do you know this work that you're about to engage in, right? So you have to be able to be that salesperson. That another word for a salesman is a, mo- a salesperson is motivator, a teacher. You have to become very good at becoming a teacher and a motivator. So first thing we have here for our injury recovery series is our week one. We take them through this on a week by week process. So this might be something you actually wind up printing out for your athletes and have them do this in conjunction with your rehab exercises that you're giving them. Right? They might as well be working on their mindset. This is exactly what we give them. So week one, we talk about developing an action plan to improve themselves while they're injured. So a lot of athletes have this misconception that while they're hurt, they can't get better. Right, Their competition is passing them by. Every day that goes by that they're out of practice, they're getting worse. And that's, that's really not true. And it's up to us to communicate that to them and to get them to see the possibilities. So I know with psychology, the first thing that a therapist, a psychologist, motivational speaker, a mindset coach like us, what we have to do is we have to give hope. We have to give these athletes hope. And the acronym for hope, H-O-P-E, you get, you learn to hear other people's experiences. It's a cute little acronym there, H-O-P-E, hear other people's experiences. And then the other HOPE acronym is you realize you want to hold on, possibilities exist. So hold on, possibilities exist. That's what we want to show them. So first, while they're, while they're out, while they're injured, they have to know that they're still getting better. So first thing they should be doing is setting a new action plan. Action plans are very big. We talk about goal setting, right? You've heard every coach under the sun talk about the importance of setting a goal, a long-term goal, a short-term goal. Part of that is your action plan. What are you doing on a daily basis to improve? Physically, mentally, emotionally, nutritionally, everything all across the board. So this is what we have the athletes do. They write down different ways that they can improve their technique. Are they going to review their films and videos while they're out? Even if they're out for the next five weeks, if they're out for the next five months, are you reviewing your video? How are you improving your technique? There might still be a way you can improve your technique. It's up to you now to get creative. So you want to tell the athletes that, get creative, right? What are they doing to work on their mindset? The perfect time to start mindset training is when they're out with an injury. Now, it's, now it becomes even more important. Their nutrition. Can they tighten up their nutrition? I was a wrestler, so cutting weight is a big part of the sport, right? You need to be in as small weight class as possible, basically, while not sacrificing your health, obviously. So are we eating as clean as we can? Are there better food substitutions we could be making? What are you doing to alter your, nutri- your nutrition and improve your nutrition? Strength training. Right, just because just because our, our left knee might be hurt. I mean, this is what happened to me actually it was my right knee. So my, my senior year of college, my LCL, I sprained my LCL, so I couldn't really couldn't do much. The main thing I had to do was rest. Right? What's the what's the what's the healing for that? But a resting process. Well, my coach told me that just because your right leg isn't is just because your right knee isn't isn't healthy right now doesn't mean your left leg should go to crap. And he was right. He was a world champ, Olympic silver medalist. So he had me do all kinds of different exercises. I was still rope climbing. I was still doing pull-ups. I was I was I was pumping the air down with one leg and the other leg up in the air. I don't know. You don't want to be dangerous about it. So like maybe that's not what you recommend the athlete. I was doing an exercise. It was called <laughs> it was called a lame dog, which means you're on you're on all fours. I guess all threes because the one leg that was that was lame was up in the air and I'm going up the steps like that. So he had me doing all kinds of exercises. A lot of athletes, what they do, and I'm sure you guys see this already, is that when they're hurt, then they're in the trainer's office a lot of times throughout the practice, or they use it as an excuse to go home. And the coach said, no, you signed up for the sport. You got to stay in the room. Or you got to be with the trainer. And it's, and it's not just, oh, we're going we're gonna to BS and talk about, I don't know, you know, cars, parties, girls, and, and money or whatever, right? Let's actually take this time to get better right? Let's take this time to improve. So what are exercises they could do to improve themselves? They signed up for the sport. So what are they doing to strengthen the healthy muscles that they have? Is there any technical skills they could work on? Flexibility. 
If my arm is hurt, can I get my legs a little bit more flexible? That's gonna help me. Are there any plyometric exercises I could do? So again, the whole point here is to realize they're not out. Mentally, the first thing that a kid is going to do when they get even a small injury is to say, I'm out, I'm done, I can't improve. We have to give hope. And we need to point out, they're focusing on the 1% of their body that's, that's incapacitated, or maybe like the 10% because you know one thing is connected to the other. So we have, to, we have to focus them on the 90% that's healthy and the 90% of activities they can do. Does that make sense? Yes. Any, 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 question, any questions on that? So installation of hope, we gotta give them hope right away. We gotta, we gotta have them realize they are not out because if mentally they tell themselves, I'm out right now, they're not gonna take it as serious. They're not gonna take your rehab as serious and all these exercises you're prescribing them. And, and that's another thing, that becomes part of their action plan. Just like they might've been lifting, th- lifting weights three days a week, coming to practice every day. The exercises you give them for rehab, that's now part, that, that becomes now part of their action plan. Just as important as their technical training, even more important than their technical training right now. So that's an important thing we need to get across to them, and we got to communicate it. Never assume the athletes are just going to understand it, right? We have to we have to remind them of that. There is hope. Ninety percent of your body is okay. Your mind is okay. We hope so, <laughs> right? And then different things: our flexibility, our nutrition, our mindset. We could get a lot better while we're hurt. And in fact. There's a lot of athletes that have looked back and said that it was a blessing in disguise that they were hurt. I'm getting ahead of myself. That's another worksheet here. Any questions on that one? Nope. Seeing none. Good? Zero. Good. All right. So then we move on to the next one. And this is, and this is basically what I started getting into. No matter what happens to you, and this goes, and this actually goes beyond injury. This goes for just life in general. Anything that happens to you, from a mindset point of view, you better start telling yourself that's the best thing that could have happened to me, right? So if if I if I get hurt, I got to tell myself this is a blessing in disguise. This is the best thing that could have happened to me, and then you start giving reasons why. Now I'm focusing more on making my body healthy. Now I'm strengthening other muscles that I haven't focused on in a while. Now I'm working on my mindset for the first time in my life. And it's true, with those athletes coming in and working on their mindset for the first time, they actually improved. They weren't choking as as much under pressure. They weren't giving good opponents too much respect. They they weren't as slow of a starter. They They learned how to open up and compete the way they normally practice. How many athletes do we see? They do so much better in practice than in a competition. Well, once you start working on your mindset, you actually become a lot better at performing under pressure. And and pressure is pressure, right? That's why when we talk about mindset, there's no question. It doesn't matter if we're talking about succeeding in front of a thousand people on the football field or any field at all, wrestling that in my case. Are we taking are we taking the SATs, ACTs, GREs? Are we in a job interview? Are we asking someone we're attracted to out for a date? Are we, are we in a job, well, as I already said, job interview, um, saying no to drugs and peer pressure? Do you, know, you know, do you have that mental toughness or don't you have it? Do you have that confidence? Do you know what to focus on in those critical moments? So it becomes important that if we know we're improving during this injury, we could feel real good about ourselves. And the best athletes, the best ones that I've seen and that you've probably seen too, that they've recovered from an injury, They've said this injury was the best thing that could have happened to me. Maybe if nothing else, it just made them more appreciative. It made them more thankful to have the opportunity to compete. So I know a lot of times when athletes put a lot of pressure on themselves, they're not very thankful, right? They're focused too much on winning. Well, after they get hurt, athletes out, uh, a high school athlete out with mono, a little injury, banged up. I got stitches several times when I was in high school. And then when you sit out those matches, you're like, man, I really miss competing. I, I would love to have that opportunity. So sometimes when you get hurt, it opens up a new perspective towards the sport and you start taking on this attitude of gratitude. An interesting thing that I learned in my, in my psychology studies was the opposite of depression is not happiness. What? Yeah, the opposite of depression is not happiness. The opposite of depression is actually gratitude. 
It's being thankful. So one of the things we have our athletes do, I know I'm a little bit all over the place here with this, but I'm going somewhere with it. One of the things we have the athletes do before and after every one of our workshops, we have them stand up on their feet and they go through the four mindset principles. And they are, I'm thankful for the opportunity to wrestle or compete if you're a baseball player. I'm thankful for the opportunity to compete. I'm aggressive and relentless. I have no fear of losing or making mistakes. And I never, ever give up. So they need to have all four of those if they want to be firing on all cylinders, if they want to be competing at their best. And the best athletes are thankful for the opportunity to compete. And a lot of times athletes don't realize that gratitude until they're out. So you remind them of that. They have to approach this injury. It's critical to their athletic career that they approach this injury as the best thing that could have ever happened to them. And I spoke about this to a world champ from uh, you know, USA wrestler, Kyle Dake. He later quoted me in an article in USA Wrestling Magazine, and that's what he said. He was like, it's, whatever happens to you, it's the best thing that could have ever happened. You don't do so well on an exam. Okay, this is the best thing that could have happened to me because now I'm going to take it more serious. Now I know how I need to study. Now I realize I got to go into my professor's office hours. Now I realize I need to go to the writing center. Now I realize I need to study without music or with music, or with a friend, or without a friend, in the library. You get where I'm going with this. No matter what happens to you, you got to believe it's the best thing for you. And that's partially your job as the trainer to convince the athlete of that, because they're going to be dependent on you in this moment. And not just the athlete, but the coach and the parent. A lot of times the parent's going to get involved, and they're going to want to know your advice, right? So because you're working so closely with that athlete and the coaches and the parents, you got to sell them on it. You got to be as convincing as possible. And it is true because we've seen it with some of the best athletes in the world. So what we have them do is we have them write down, really this one's a little bit out of order. I would do exercise two first, write down five ways that this injury was good for you. How did this help you? What are you going to be, how are you, how are you going to make this a blessing in disguise? And then exercise one would be writing down a personal statement this, this injury was the best thing for me because now I'm going to be eating healthier. Now I've, I've taken a step back and uh, I'm approaching my career with fresh eyes. I'm more thankful for the opportunity to compete. I'm working on my mindset for the first time in my life. I'm doing my, my rehab exercises and, and, this, and this one body part is going to be even healthier than before. Does that make sense? Boy, that's, that's a critical re lesson for your whole life. Whatever you're doing, whatever happens to you, you better believe that it's the best thing that could have ever happened and then give yourself reasons why. I'm sure a lot of you are going through a lot of crap right now with school and life and relationships, right? What are the three main areas? Health, wealth, relationships, all that stuff. We all struggle from time to time. Well, whatever happens to you, any adversity that you hit, you have to believe that it's putting you in a better position for the future. You gotta believe that. And it's up to you to be creative. So when we talk about like when we're when we're very negative with our thinking, when we tend to be pessimistic, and we all get and we all get into those low areas, right? I'm not saying it's necessarily depression or anything along those lines, but you start to get there, and you tell yourself, "I'm I'm this is a, I'm okay, right? This is going to be okay. I'm going to come out of this better than I did before. I'm going to recover from this, and I'm going to be a better person." And when, I, and when I come out of this, I'm going to realize I was able to push through more than I ever thought I was capable of getting through. So a lot of times pessimism is just lazy thinking, right? If I get hurt and I tell myself, oh, I'll never get better. That's lazy thinking. No, I need to actually start working hard. See, with mental toughness, mental toughness isn't just like, hey, you know, you can do it. It's actually really digging down deep and thinking, what are some benefits of being out right now? What are some benefits of missing competition? Because for an athlete, missing a competi competition, that could feel like the end of the world, right? So what's the benefit? So make a case for yourself. You got to be like a lawyer who's using evidence to build a case for yourself. So that's, that's what you got to do. Any situation you're in in life, why is this the best thing that could have happened to you? Any questions on that? Does that make sense? Yes. What did you say the four principles were? So there were, number one is I'm thankful for the opportunity to compete. And I tell everyone, you go to any local hospital or nursing home, and this goes for grad students too, because I remember those times are tough, or undergrad student, those times are tough too, right? There's people who can't move, they can't think the way you can. You're blessed. 
You have to you have to feel blessed. And any psychologist that's going to help someone get out of a depression is going to talk about having an attitude of gratitude. Keep a gratitude journal. Tony Robbins talks about it. Oprah talks about it. Um, the positive psychology professor from UPenn, my my alumni, my the place I went, you know, graduated from. He founded positive psychology. Martin Seligman. He says you make a list of all the things you're thankful for, and then number two, you write a 200 word um, essay to someone who's helped you in your life and thanking them for helping them. And he said it always ends the same way, like, you know, hugs and tears and everything. And, and it's, it's like, you know, a very touching experience, but it's gratitude. So number one, I'm thankful for the opportunity to compete. Number two, I'm aggressive and relentless. And that means you're, you're, you're not only competing in sports, but you're in the classroom. You're playing to win. You're not playing not to lose. And I don't like to focus on the outcome, right? Of course, you have a goal. That's good. It's great to have a goal. Don't focus on the goal. But we're playing to win. We're aggressive and we're relentless. Nine out of ten times, the person who's aggressive is going to be successful. And for, for someone who's hurt, being aggressive is going to the trainer, asking for, asking for help, um, taking advantage, capitalizing on their, on their rehab, showing up early, staying late. Right? Same thing in the classroom. Are you going into your professor's office hours? Are you capitalizing on your writer on your writing center at the school? Are you asking questions? Are you sitting in the front row? That's being aggressive. That's being relentless. Um, if you're an undergrad and you're looking to get get into a graduate school, are you sending the director of the program that you're looking to get into? Are you emailing them ahead of time, or are you just going to be one of the names, one of the 300 or 500 names, maybe a thousand names that's just in the list, right? So you want to be aggressive and relentless. So I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in that. I interview people all the time for jobs with our mindset business. And if I have 30 people that come into me and two of them reach out, who do you think I'm most likely to hire? In, in, in other words, yeah, in other words, if I have two people email me, everyone else sends in their resume. I get 30 resumes. Two of those people emailed me directly. One person actually picks up the phone and calls me. I'm more likely to get back to those people, right? So be aggressive and relentless. So that's number two. Number three, I have no fear of losing or making mistakes. I have no fear of losing or making mistakes. And normally I like to word things in a positive way, like focus on what you want. Don't focus on what you don't want. But in this case, that becomes like one of the number one fears. We're afraid of, and we got to be honest with ourselves. This is you. This is me. This is all of us. And this is the best athletes in the world, the best ones. We don't want to look bad in front of other people. We want to preserve our reputation. We don't want to get laughed at. We don't want to be a letdown. We want to look good in front of our parents. We want to make our parents proud or our family members or our friends. We want our, we want our boys to give us props, our friends, whoever, right? We want people to respect us. We do, right? So we have to, I want them to say that out loud. I have no fear of losing or making mistakes. The best athletes look at, look at losing and mistakes very differently than average athletes, the best athletes look at failure and mistakes as part of the process. I'm not saying they like to lose. They still hate to lose. I still hate to lose right now. But I understand that losing is part of the process. A sport like baseball, if you get out seven out of ten times, you're a Hall of Famer. As, as a hitter, if you if you make an out seven out of ten times, you're, you're a Hall of Famer. That's a 300 hitter, right? Um, a, lot of, a lot of things like that. In sales, you get a lot of no's, right? It happens. Same thing, and whatever, whatever it is, we're just afraid of, of looking bad in front of other people. Oh, you don't want to ask the person out on a date because how embarrassing would it be if they shut me down, right? We got to plow right through that. That's soft, right? We got we to gotta suck it up and we got to plow through. It's okay if you're going to reject me, but I'm not going to reject myself. That's the attitude we need to develop. And it's not putting me up on a pedestal or putting you up on a pedestal. It's that it, the way we look at success and failure has to be different than the average person. When I see a big room like this, I have to make certain assumptions. I have to assume I have to assume that a lot of people in the room want to be great. I mean, that's the audience I usually speak to. People who are really trying to accomplish a very high goal. So we have to view success and failure very differently than the average person. We can't have any fear of losing or making mistakes. Or even if we do, that's okay. That can't stop us from plowing forward. So I have no fear of losing or making mistakes. And number four is I never ever give up. I never, ever give up. And that's whatever situation it might be. That's, you know, again, sports, school, life, business, your career. It doesn't matter. You just keep fighting through. I remember when I was going, when I was in grad school and times were tough, like they often were, 
um, I would just remind, I would remind myself, this is a good problem to have, right? And even now I don't like using the word problem. I'd rather use the word challenge. You don't need to use the word problem ever again. Substitute that word for challenge. And it does the same exact thing. And it opens up possibilities, right? People don't like problems. People like challenges. So, but I remember thinking this is, this is a good challenge to have. I'm in school, right? I'm working on getting a degree. What would be a bad problem to have? And then I'd think of all those other things, right? Makes sense? So be thankful. So being, being aggressive and relentless and never, ever giving up. And we could give up while, while we're losing. Of course, most of the time we give up when we're losing, but we could give up while we're winning too, right? You might, you might get a B in your class and it's like, that, I can't tell you if that's a success or failure. If you were capable of getting an A, that's a failure. If you were capable of, if, if you know, you were probably a C student and you got a B, then maybe it is a success. So we, we got to look at it differently. Just because we're doing well in the class, don't pump the brakes. Throttle down. You know, step on the gas and, and, and finish strong. And the same thing, if we're, if we're not doing so well, don't quit do as well as you possibly can. And obviously in sports too, and especially when we're dealing with injuries, I never ever give up. So what I like about those four mindset principles is the fact that we're burning them into our athletes' minds. Those are positive affirmations. And when you say it over and over and over, you begin to believe it. And we've had at least three NCAA champions that have got an interview. So right after you win the NCAAs, what do they do? They put a microphone in front of your face. So if you thought you were nervous before to compete in front of all those people, now you have to do public speaking in front of all those people. And in fact, they say the number one fear is what? Pup. The number one fear is public speaking. The number two fear is death. So Jerry Seinfeld, he commented on that. He said, so most people would rather be um, in the casket than saying the eulogy. And that's a pretty that's a pretty funny thing, but that's a, that's a funny thing. But but in any event, that's that that's true, right? We get we get worried. We're we're because we're we're afraid of making those mistakes. Where was I going with that? <laughs> <laughs> that was just a question that like, Christine had for you. Katie, it was, yeah. Or Katie. But I have a question. What did Hope uh, stand for? Can you shoot that off for us too? What was that again? Yeah. All right, good. Yeah, so those, so, oh, so I know what I know what I was saying. Those four mindset principles, once you say them over and over again, you start to internalize them. Kind of like how Muhammad Ali would say over and over again, I'm the greatest. He said that before he was ever the heavyweight champion of the world. He brainwashed himself into believing it. And that's what we're doing all the time. You, whether or not you realize it, you're constantly brainwashing yourself to believe in things, to believe certain things. So you might as well fill your head with good stuff. Regardless of what you might think, you have control of that. You have control of what you feed your mind. So we had at least three people right after the NCAAs. That's what I was saying. Right after the NCAAs, microphone was put in their face and they said, I was just thankful for the opportunity. I had no fear of losing or making mistakes. It, it's happening over and over again. NCAAs, state champs, right after the biggest competitions of these athletes' lives. They're not thinking about their training. They're not, which is of course very important. They're thinking about their mindset. They're thinking about the things they're telling themselves. And my point is this, you are in a sense a mindset coach to these athletes, just as much as you are a trainer, just as much as you're helping them physically recover, you're helping them mentally recover. And these are also lessons they're gonna pass on to their children, their grandchildren, their friends. It's a great thing. It's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> I love this stuff. All right, <laughs> all right. Let's go on. Let's go on to week three. So I already alluded to this one. No, it's good. We have fun. It's good. We laugh. So week three, injury recovery. We talked about this already. The word hope. It's an acronym for two things. Hear other people's experience and hold on possibilities exist. So when we're out, when we're injured, we don't think, we don't think we're capable of maybe bouncing back. So what we need to do is we need to get them to see hope. It's one thing for me to tell the athlete, you can do it, but I just sound like a motivational speaker. If you just tell them, hey, you could improve, you could get better. It's just kind of being a motivational speaker. Instead, what you want them to do, you want to train them to kind of be a lawyer. A lawyer needs evidence. They need to build a case for themselves. You ask them, are there any athletes you could think of in your sport or any other sport, ideally in their sport, because it's easier to relate to someone in our own sport. 
That's why we have sports-specific programs. But are there any athletes that you could think of that have bounced back from an injury and have come back even better than before? And always, no matter what sport we're talking about, there's always examples they could think of. Always. Right? So who are some of those athletes? They name one. They name two. Okay, maybe it helps. Maybe it doesn't. They name three. They name four. They name five. Eventually, they name 10 or 20 athletes. It seems like it's overkill, but it's not. Because the more athletes they can name, the more they start to believe, okay, I'm not just full of it. This is really true. This really happens. This happens all the time. People are out, and that's why you try to use an athlete that they could relate to, whether it be someone who's on their team, someone who they know. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just a higher-level athlete that they've read about or they've seen on TV or whatever, right? Um, someone who plays the same sport, someone who, who, you know, maybe they have this a similar kind of competing style as them. If I'm an aggressive wrestler, um, maybe I can't think of any wrestlers that have recovered from a certain injury, but I might think of another aggressive sport. I might think of hockey. I might think of football. I might think of MMA, right? Or if I was, you know, wh- whatever that might be. So who are some other athletes that have recovered from an injury? Actually have them name them. That's a powerful thing. Have you ever had situations like that with yourself? Where you, in, any, in any area of your life where you said to yourself, oh, this person did it and I'm similar to them. I could do it too. Make sense? Right? Like if I see, oh man, I'm, you know, if once, when I was going to grad school, I would say, okay, well, my parents were, never went to grad school. Oh, but my uncle did and my cousin did. Okay, they did it. I could do it too. What are we really talking about? We're talking about having role models, having heroes. You got to have heroes. So whatever situation we're in, we need to apply that lesson. Don't just take it for granted. Don't just assume the athlete's going to do that on their own. They're not. What happens is when we get hurt, or any, not even just when we get hurt, but just any time we're under stress, our, our, um, our view, the way we're looking at the world, it goes from out here to this. Make sense? Instead of seeing the world like this, oh, look at all these possibilities. When stress hits, when something negative happens, our vision goes from out here to this. Who knows what I'm talking about? Say I. I. All right, good. I do that too. All right, it, ha- it happens. So what we need to do is we need to get them outside of this little, looking out of this little hole. We got to open it up. We got to get them to see the big picture. So that's why you use other athletes. Get them to think about it. You don't want to let them let them off the hook easy with just one or two examples. Because like, oh, well, maybe that was a fluke. Maybe that was a fluke. And then eventually they named 10 or 20 examples of athletes who've recovered from this injury. They start to say, you know what? I can do it too. So they might have to be a little bit creative. You might have to Google some people, you know, different injuries that they've had and who's, who's come back from it. In fact, that would be a good project for one of our interns. Think about people who have injured different parts of their body and who are some athletes that have recovered. It might be a good internship position that we put out for our internship job. But that's good. Any, any questions with that one? Don't sell, don't sell yourselves short with that too, especially as you're getting through school. When you, there's going to be times you're going to tell yourself you can't. I know because there's even Olympians that we work with there's UFC fighters that we work with, some of the toughest people in the world. They go through times where they say they can't. So what do you tell yourself in those moments? Having those heroes, knowing other people who've gone through it. Okay? So, again, if you can, try to use athletes who are similar to them. Similar injury, similar sport, maybe a similar look. They're on the team or on a local team, whatever it might be. Okay. Okay, week four. Same thing. We're talking about hope. But now this time, so now let's say the athlete, now now you've signed off, the athlete's ready to compete again. So before they were injured, they were out of competition. Now they're back in action. They're back in the game. We've seen a lot of athletes who were cleared, they're healthy, and they have, I don't want to, I don't want to be cavalier and use the term post-traumatic stress, but they have like a, like a lower level of that. Like let's say a gymnast, they got hurt doing, you know, they got hurt on the beam the last time when they did a certain pass, when they did a certain routine. Now the next time they're, they're clear, they're not, they're not hurt anymore. They get on the beam and now they have that mental block because they're going through that same pass on the same apparatus and oh, what if I get hurt again, right? So that happens 
And also, we might still have, just because we're injury-free doesn't mean we're pain-free. Right? So if my LCL, if it's kind of hurting while I'm wrestling, but I know the trainer signed off on me, you know, the coach said it was okay, my doctor, I'm all set. Like, I might feel a little bit of pain, and you need to know that that's okay. Because a lot of times the athletes then overly focus on that pain. Oh, what if it pops out again? What if my shoulder pops out again? My brother, his shoulder, one of my brothers, his shoulder pops out, right? If he's, if he's thinking about that while he's competing, he's in a bad spot, right? He's not going to compete fearlessly. And we talk about being aggressive and relentless. I can tell you, I know one of the, one of the best wrestlers in the country right now, that's exactly what he's going through. He's, he's afraid because he doesn't want to hurt his shoulder again. Of course, of course you don't want to hurt your shoulder again. But as long as you know you're cleared to, to wrestle, you're cleared to compete, you've talked about it with the doctor, the trainer, the coach, all this, and you know you're ready to go, you can't just think, well, my shoulder hurts a little bit, right? So we have to have our success models, we have to have our role models again, who've competed while they were in pain. What are athletes, who are some of the athletes that have competed while they were in pain? Now again, big difference between being hurt and being injured, but are there any other athletes you could think of that competed well while they were in pain. How about you? Have you ever been in pain when you had a finger that was jammed? Your neck was sore. You know, your, 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 your foot still wasn't 100%. And the idea is not to get them to do stupid things and compete when they're not supposed to, right? We want to be clear about that. We're not trying to get them to do stupid things, trying to be the hero, and then they ruin their body for life. That's a terrible decision. But they feel it a little bit. They feel it in their leg. They still feel it a little bit in their shoulder, but you know they're okay. They have to be fearless and they have to be ready to go. So who are some athletes that have, that have proceeded through the pain and have succeeded? So again, the more examples they could give, the better. The more examples that are similar to them, the better. Make sense? Yes. It's basically, it's basically the same exercise except the one we're talking about people who've bounced back from an injury and now we're talking about our role models, our heroes, the people who've competed while they still had some pain. All right. And I tell the athletes all the time, if you don't think you're ready, then don't, st you know, don't step out there. But once you make the decision to compete, you've got to be ready to go. And, and you can't be thinking about the injury. Any, any questions with that? And again, you can see how these kind of lead one right into the other. And now with week five right here, um, competing fearlessly despite the pain. And that's where we have them write down. So they need to build the case for themselves. Again, they're bouncing back from the injury. They need to know they're okay to compete. I am ready to go. A lot of athletes, they don't have that in their head. They don't have in their head, I am ready to go. So we want them to check off these boxes. Did your doctor approve you coming back? Or the, or the you know, doctor or trainer, whoever, both ideally. Did my coach approve me to come back? Have I consistently been performing my rehab exercises? This is where that this is also why it's important. Your rehab exercises are not only important to physically improve, your rehab exercises are also important to mentally improve. So when you step out there in the field of competition, you know you did what you had to do to get yourself prepared. Make sense? If I did my rehab exercises, I'm a pretty confident athlete out there. Okay, yeah, my shoulder was hurt, but I went to the trainers. I was in there. I iced when I was supposed to ice. I rested when I was supposed to rest. I did all these different things. I did these exercises. I was consistent. So when I step out there to compete, I'm okay. My shoulder is good. The trainer said I'm good to go. Check. Coach said I was good to go. Check. Um, I perform my rehab exercises. Check. And I'm making the personal decision to compete check. Once you have that, now what we're doing is we're telling ourselves, writing that personal statement again. These statements are so important because whether or not you realize it, we're telling ourselves this all the time. Writing a statement that now you're willing to put it on the line. So once I realize that, okay, my shoulder's ready to go, I have to, add it, I have, to have the attitude that if it breaks off out there in competition, so be it. And not that I'm trying to get hurt, but the point is I'm ready to go and I'm not going to be thinking about my shoulder every couple minutes. I'm not saying doing anything stupid, but I'm not going to keep, you know, rolling out my shoulder because a lot of times athletes are doing that because it's in their head. So if, if their shoulders hurt, that's a different story. Then you're rolling out your shoulder. But if you're just doing it because, oh, you know, the person I'm competing against is pretty good or I'm still thinking about it, that's not okay. 
So I got to have that statement that once I'm out there to compete, I'm ready to put it on the line. I'm ready to go. If it breaks off, it breaks off. And again, we're not trying to be idiots about it. We're just saying to, to overcome that fear of putting it on the line. Deal with a lot of athletes, that fear of putting it on the line. Does that make sense? Yes. Right? So so pretty straight pretty straightforward, but very important. You know, we um a lot of times and I'm sure I'm not telling you a lot like a lot of the stuff that I'm telling you is not anything brand new, right? What I did is basically I'm I'm not an inventor, I'm a synthesizer. I take all these great lessons and I bring them all together and then I made them sports specific, which is why we have a wrestling, we started with wrestling mindset, then baseball, then golf, tennis, hockey, and all the different sports, right? We have those specific mindset programs built out and work with those teams and those individuals all around the country. So we have the individual plan, we have the team plan, and we're, think, we're, we're thinking about it. It's, it's, it's not that it's all this brand new information, it's brought together. But don't never say to yourself, I already know this. This is the guilty thing and this is the arrogant thing to do, and I'm guilty of this too. Oh, I already know this. Don't say that. Instead, ask yourself the question, how well am I applying this information? Make sense? I learned this in um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. This is a book that made me want to become an entrepreneur. And I, was, I read this when I was a sophomore in college. And, and um, he said, never say to yourself, I already know this information. Ask yourself, how well am I applying this information? As an example, I could tell you to get eight hours of sleep. And you say to yourself, I already know that. Okay, did you get eight hours of sleep last night? How about the night before? How about the night before that? And I see people kind of smiling and laughing a little bit because I know, same thing. We know what to do, but we don't always do it. So remember this, K minus A equals zero. K minus A equals zero. Knowledge minus action equals nothing. Knowledge minus action equals nothing. If you know what to do, but don't do what you know, it doesn't matter, right? How many of us are guilty of doing this? We say, I'm very good at giving advice for my friends, whether it's about relationships, whether it's about school, dating, friendships. I'm so good at giving advice to my friends, but I'm not good at taking my own advice, right? That's exactly what we're saying here. <laughs> That's exactly what we're saying here. If you know what to do, but don't do what you know, it doesn't matter. So K minus A equals zero. So when you get all this information that kind of sounds like, yeah, of course I know that. Yes, I know that. This makes sense. This is common sense. Right. But are we applying this information? Are you going to give these exercises to your athletes? Are you going to, are you going to apply them yourselves to your lives? That's the important thing. Make sure we're applying the information. Get that eight hours of sleep. It's important. All right, so what do you have for me while we have we still have some time left? What are some ways I could help you? With this or anything else we hit on, even if it's something for a moment that we touched on. So your the mindsets that you were talking about, it seems like it's very um effective if it was more so injury that you can return to compete. But it was like the career ending or, you know, those very much more severe and stuff like that, how do you turn in their mindsets to, you know, go into their normal life or no athlete life or something like that? Right. That's, um, and that's, that's an awesome question. And, and that's why I think, see, with the whole field of sports psychology and, and mindset, and this is, I'm going to actually liken this to training, a athletic training also. It's it's always it, it's so often looked at as damage control, not preventative. We shouldn't just be talking about rehab. We should be talking about prehab, right? Are we working on our joints? Are we working on our tendons? Are we working on our of uh, our mobility? Are we working on our basic mobility and stability? Are we doing prehab exercises? If I know as a wrestler that shoulders and knees tend to be the worst, what should I be doing? I should be doing things to strengthen my shoulder, you know, strengthen my shoulders, my knees, or the joints or tendons around them, right? It shouldn't just be damage control. There should be, I, I think the, ath the athletic trainers in the future, if, if athletes really wanted to maximize what they're doing, there should be a lot more focus on prehab, right? And, and how to, preventative. Same thing with mindset, okay? 
Most people view the sports psychologist or the mindset coach as damage control. Oh, you choked in the big competition? Now go see the mindset coach. Oh, you're putting too much pressure on yourself? You're stressed out? Now go now go get help, right? I'm not saying that's a bad thing, and I'm all about that. I'm all about counseling. I'm all about therapy. If there's something you're struggling with, don't, don't sweep it under the rug. If you need to get help for something, that's a strength. That shows you have a lot of mental toughness. That, show, that shows you do have confidence that you are going to step up and handle those things. So utilize your counseling center. Talk to someone if you need help. That's how you get better. That's a strength. That's not a weakness. That, that shows a lot of mental toughness. But a lot of times what people are doing, they only come to the sports psychologist or the mindset coach after something's wrong. And to your question... That's why we want it to be proactive. The mindset training needs to be proactive. So you don't just wait. It's just like strength training. I always use the strength training analogy. You don't start strength training after you get overpowered in a competition, right? Why would you start? Okay, you just got overpowered in a competition. Now you're going to start strength training. Why don't, why don't you start strength training before leading up to the season so then you're already strong? And then if you do get overpowered, use that as motivation, you get even stronger. But don't wait for there to be a problem. So it's the same thing with mindset. You want to have a proactive approach. And that's why we've created is a systematic mindset program as a preventative. And not just a preventative, we all have strengths. I could tell you about mindset right now. Everyone in this room has strengths, everyone has weaknesses. I have strengths, I have, I have weaknesses. It happens, right? You're only as strong as your weakest link. So making sure that you improve the areas you're weak at and then take the areas you're really good at and make it freaky. Make it freaky. All right. So when we talk about what about when they have that career ending injury, one of the topics we talk about in our systematic program is mental toughness. Okay. Mental toughness means a lot of different things to a lot of people, right? I try to look at the most mentally tough people in the world. I like, I was a big student of history. You look at the Spartans, the samurai, the Aztecs, the Apache, the U.S. military, all those different, right? You guys, some of you watch the movie Gladiator or 300, right? Or Braveheart, whatever it is. What are the, what are the greatest warriors have in common? No, two, two things. <laughs> two things they have in common. They know what they believe and they're willing to die for it. They know what they believe and they're willing to die for it. So what does that have to do with being an athlete? A lot. All right. It has a lot to do with being an athlete. If you know who you are, if you know what your life is about, if you're clear on your faith, on your morals, on your values, guess what? Sports is icing on the cake. The problem is our society does not do a good job of that. Our society does not do a good job of that. Our society makes sports and even our academic success in our career, it makes that the cake. And I don't want you to do that. You need to know who you are as a person. We need to know our values. We need to know our morals. I'm not telling anyone what to believe, but you better but you better know what you believe. All right? Because exactly, sports needs to be a metaphor for your whole life. You need to use sports as a vehicle to make you a better person. Sports should sports should make you a better student. It should make you a better citizen. It should make you a better son or daughter. It should make you a better significant other. If not, you missed the boat. You missed the big picture. The big lesson that sports could teach us, you missed it. If, if you don't use sports as a vehicle for your whole life. So we're constantly saying you've got to know what, you're, what you believe and willing to die for it. So it's, it is that extreme because what happens when sports ends? Now it seems like life or death for a lot of people. Oh, man, it's like a part of your life. Really? I mean, think about it. Some of you are high-level athletes. When your career ended, it felt a little bit like a death, didn't it? Like a part of you was dead, right? So how are we going to bounce back from that if we don't know who we are and what our life is about? So that's real important. That's that's really really important. And you know, again, don't take my word for it. Look at some of the top athletes. Look at some of the most successful people. And not surprisingly, a lot of them are people of faith. A lot of them are people who have very strong morals and values. Because it's not just about the car I drive. Of course, look, I want to be successful as much as the next guy. In college, I wanted to be a national champ. Now I want to have an international business. You know, we're getting pretty close to that. You know, we, we have things that what our career is going to look like, what our family is going to look like. But you have to know that when a lot of things, certain things aren't going to work out for you. And when they don't work out, you it's, 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 what, it's that mindset and it's also the values that you have. Does that make sense? 
I'll give you a good. I'll give you a good. Um, a good story for me, personal story. So I was, you know, I got my undergrad degree at Penn, got my first master's degree at Springfield College, exercise science. I was at LaSalle University going for my doctorate. Um, Dr. Rosen and I, we were roommates together at that time. He was in Philadelphia as an athletic trainer for the University of Pennsylvania, and I was going for my doctorate at LaSalle. And I was 45 doctoral credits in, passed my first competency exam. I got a C in statistics. You have to get at least a B minus in statistics. So I got to retake the class. I got a B minus the next time, but this time the criteria went up for a B. So instead of being a B minus, because I had to take it again, the criteria went up to a B. And I, three days before Christmas, I get kicked out of the program, dishonorably discharged. That was it. I wanted to be a, I wanted to be a clinical psychologist. That was my goal. All right, now what? That you know, I, I was I, I was knee deep in the program, year and a half in. I, my my goals and my dreams were wrapped up in that. Um, obviously, I was devastated. I cried like hell. Right? I'm not going to put on a front. It was a very it was a very sad thing. But I I knew that in my head, I still want to help people. I still want to be a mentor. I want to have my own mindset business because remember, as a sophomore in high school, I read that book Rich Dad Poor Dad. So I knew I wanted to own a mindset business, and I knew I wanted to help people. And because I knew that, and because my you know my faith my morals, that was an important thing to me. I said, that's just not going to stop me. It derailed me. Sure, it derailed me. Did it change my path? Yes, it did. But, and, and I say, going back to the second exercise we did, it wound up being the best thing in the world for me. In terms of the business, we made it into a positive, right? We could do a lot of things as mindset, as mindset coaches, we could do a lot of things now with our business that a sports psychologist can't do, Right? And that's not putting down a sports psychologist. It's just I needed to pave I needed to pave my way a different path. But if if let's say my entire identity was wrapped up in getting the doctorate, and that was all that mattered. It's great to have the goal. It was my goal. It that would have knocked me off my horse. You know, a lot of people they go into a depression after something like that. Right? And this and the same thing with our sports goals, same thing with the career ending injury. Um all that, all that stuff, and same thing. Adversity is and adversity is going to hit in life. One thing I, I really believe this is that everyone, no matter how talented you are, no matter how successful with you are, everyone is going to run into some tough times. Everyone, and I know from that doctoral program class that I took, my personality psych class, my doctoral program, you find out what you're made of during difficult times. You find out what you're made of, but you don't want to wait till you get into those difficult times to be prepared. Right, and that's knowing who you are. Look at the great warriors. Look at the great athletes. So, you know who you are. You know what you believe. And then, if your career ends, okay, now let's take those lessons and let's apply it to life. If I have an athlete that tells me they want to quit sports or they get hurt and that's it, their career, you know, we don't really break stride. Okay, what's the goal now? Let's put the action plan in place. How are we gonna um, How are we gonna relax under pressure? It's the same thing. How do we apply those lessons now to this? How do we apply those confidence lessons to their life? How do they take health and fitness and use that to be, to improve themselves in life, right? Too many fat coaches. Think about that. There's a lot of people, you're, you're in sports, you're in, you're in real good shape, you're working hard and everything. We don't apply the lessons sometimes to our lives. I'm guilty of it too. I ate like crap when I was competing. And it's like, what a great time it would have been to really learn about my body and health and everything. And a lot of us, we just blow the opportunity. So we want to teach that lesson to our athletes. And as best as we can, we want to be living the code. Because if our athletes look at us, right? A leader needs, a leader needs to do three things. A leader needs to know the way, show the way, and go the way. Got to do all three. Know the way, show the way, and go the way. And most people believe a sermon that they watch rather than a sermon that they hear, if that makes sense. If you're telling them to you know, do the best they can and to really work hard and to follow instructions, if they see you're like that, they're more likely to follow that. That's just human nature, right? So I know that's a long answer to that question, but knowing who we are, it can't just be about sports, using sports as a vehicle for their whole life. That Athletes need to be reminded of that. What else? Gene, what percentage of wrestling would you say is mental versus physical? Uh, you know, the, the age-old question, that's usually the first question I ask a group. Um, 
it's 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 tough. It's it's honestly tough to tell. I could tell you this: when I speak to groups, athletes will say it's anywhere between fifty and ninety percent mental, right? And then I say, okay, well, how much time are you training physically versus mentally? And they say it's ninety-five percent physical training. And I'm like, do you see a problem there? You're saying it's you're saying it's ninety percent mental, yet you're training ninety-five percent physical. I'm not putting down the physical for one second. It's but it's not either or. You don't have to pick. It's both, right? So if you're but if you're saying it's fifty to ninety percent mental, don't just train hard. Train smart, right? Do have a reason why you're doing things. You're saying it's fifty percent mental. You should be training fifty percent mental. It's, it stands to reason, you know. Same thing with our with our worksheets and exercises. I try to follow a more evidence based approach, right? If you just listen to a lecture, what percentage of the information are you going to retain? Who knows that? If you're just listening to me give a lecture without doing anything else, how much percentage of the information are you likely to retain? Twenty percent. Four. Close. Five. Five. <laughs> On average. <laughs> so right, five five percent. So the point is this: that's down there in the toilet. That's almost like we're not even here, right? Because it's very passive. It's passively gaining information. I had to learn this to be a school psychologist. How do people retain information? And if we're more actively involved, we're more likely to retain the information. It goes up to like I think it's fifty percent for a group discussion, seventy percent. I think if you're um if you're actually doing some kind of worksheet or exercise or activity. So that's why I have the, I have our athletes filling out the worksheets, doing the mindset exercises. We're going to put together a pre-match routine or a pre-competition routine. Write it down. Now practice it. Okay. Um, adversity strikes in a competition. Ref makes a bad call. You make a mistake. Your opponent does something dirty. What are you going to tell yourself in those moments? Visualize that. What's your reset button? Practice hitting your reset button in practice. Right? Um, all that stuff. They got to actually do that. So that's, that goes up to 70%. And then when you're teaching other people, you actually retain 90% of the information. So that's why you might remember a report you did on, I don't know, the planet Mars or Abraham Lincoln that you did in sixth or seventh grade because you had to actually get up and teach the class. It's the same thing. When you, when you teach someone else, you tutor someone else, you learn the material better. Same thing with this. So we tell our athletes, once you learn the information, teach someone else right away. That's kind of like how I've always done it, where you know, I, I learn something right away. My, you know, my brother gets a call. So that, that's, that's what it is. He, he's got to learn it now. And then other people got to learn it. And that's how I remember it. So getting more, invo- getting more involved in more active, um, uh, learn, active learning. Makes sense? Do you want to do the stick trick, Adam? Dr. Rosen? That's what we'll let you work with the Olympic standpoint. What's that? You see them from um, athletes from the Olympic standpoint. Yeah. Them suffering from different mental lessons or deficiencies um, compared to the high school or younger athletes, or they the same things just magnified. Basically, the same stuff. If you don't, what happens is if your if your car is in second gear, let's say your mindset. If we're in second gear, we could keep getting physically better and better physically, but the car is still in second gear mentally. Right, so I worked with a kid who was um, he was nine years old, local guys from one of the towns over from from where we used to live, and for him, his big difficulty, if he knew the the kid was on a good team, he got nervous, right? If I know this kid's, if if I know I'm wrestling someone from a good team, I'm getting nervous. No different when we're working with the U.S. Women's Olympic team. The top team in the world is Japan for women's wrestling. If you you know, probably didn't know that, but. When our, well, a lot of times when our women are going against the Japanese woman, they see that, that, that red sun on their singlet. Right off the bat, they're already mentally beat because, oh, I know I'm going up against a woman from Japan. Just because, they got, just because that's where they're from. They got to be good because they're from Japan. right? So if we don't fix that when we're younger, it's going to just follow us up. And the same thing. We tell, about our, we tell our athletes all the time when we talk about mindset principle number two, I'm aggressive and relentless. It's important to focus on what you're going to do to your opponent. Don't focus on what your opponent's going to do to you. And I know a lot of people believe in in scouting. I'm not saying that scouting isn't good. I'm saying that for every 
And that's a wrap for today's podcast. I'm Gene Zanetti from Wrestling Mindset. Make sure you check out our website, wrestlingmindset.com. Get our ebook. Make sure you get that ebook. Great information represents some of the best information that we have. Lessons that we've learned from some of the top wrestlers in the world. Lessons that we've learned from our own experience and the best that research can provide. Get the ebook, wrestlingmindset.com. Also, as an individual, make sure you personally sign up for the one-on-one free mindset consultation. The one-on-one free mindset consultation. Make sure you fill out the form and do that as soon as possible. The best results always come from one-on-one individual attention, whether it's strength training, whether it's technique, or whether it's mindset. One-on-one individual attention is always the best. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you join us again for our next podcast. Mindset makes the difference. Have a great day. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.